This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. We are back, folks, here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTK.com. Sam Webb, Mr. Ira Weintraub on the other side and joining us as they do every single week for the MGO Blog Roundtable. The MGO Blog crew, Sands, Brian Cook, who's out ill, feel better, Brian, if he's listening. Uh, but we have his compadres, his cohorts, his partners over at MGO Blog joining us on the roundtable. This morning, Seth Fisher. Seth, good morning. How are you? I'm I'm good. It's weird that Brian always gets sick whenever we're playing Northwestern. It's just <laughs> <laughs> trying to preview Northwestern basketball. Oh God! Oh, no, I'm kidding. Right? Yeah. He's, he's really going through something. So we'll, we'll, we we send it out to him. <laughs> yeah, and then of course the venerable Craig Ross. Craig, how are you this morning? I, I'm I'm fine. You know, Seth and I were talking off air about sort of the uh, notions of community. And in Ann Arbor, one of the things I've seen pretty much every year that I've lived here, which is most all of my life, is uh, when the first big snowfall, someone gets stuck, you know, on our street or in the snow and people will come out of the woodwork, you know, from everywhere to help that guy, you know, push him out of the, you know, push him out of the snow. And uh, I, I like that. I, I like I like that that element of community that doesn't necessarily exist every place in the United States but but there's a certain community to um to the MGO blog roundtable too and i and i got a guy <laughs> oh, good grief i got a guy <laughs> he's came... fine to somebody saying can't wait to hear the tangent craig goes on today there's no brian <laughs> to stop him it's just, right. <laughs> there's, there's no breaks on this thing. <laughs> so, I got a, a guy. His name is Carl. He's a he's a, a really nice man. He's a usher at, at Michigan hockey, and during the first Carl and second Geese, periods, right? we know Carl. Yeah, you know Carl. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. He came up to me and and said it was finally nice to hear some because he sings for the some group choral union i think and he came up and said it's finally nice to hear some conversation on classical music on your show and and i swear to god he said to me you know seth is really brilliant at deconstructing things so it would be a good idea if he decided to deconstruct something like wolfgang amadeus Mateski's uh bowel movements uh and it would be you know, those are the words something <laughs> so, so carl i mean i i threw that over to seth and he actually did this off air but i'm not sure it's what people want to hear 
Um, no, if you want, even if, hear, if you want to hear somebody break down classical music, talk to Carl Grapentine sometime. Yeah, he's, well, yeah, he's, he really knows his stuff. So anyway, uh, we just had someone say, "I love Craig's story." So you have, I told you, Craig, you have a fan base, which you would know. There's a certain media. disturbed element. There's a certain disturbed element to the fans of the Emco block on, on what community? I mean, yeah. you you have you have yeah. in this community a following. So yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, you, you do a couple of things that to to get into off the rip, right? Uh, so signing day was uh, the late signing day was was yesterday. Michigan did pick up a young man. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to watch Cam Brant's. Yeah, video. yeah, I, I have my whole thing ready to go. <laughs> yeah, oh, a, flip, a flip from Stanford. So what did you guys, we'll, we'll get into the postmortem on uh, Davidson Igbenosin, excuse me, who, mm -hmm. uh, the old Miss transfer who committed to Ohio State, and then, of course, Nicholas Harbor, uh, which we'll get into uh, in a broader discussion of NIL. Uh, but first, Cam Brandt, what did you guys think of Cam Brandt? I mean, people got mad at me for this comp, but um, he's like an immediately usable Carlo Kemp. Like that kind of guy, that kind of you know, he can. I think they're going to use him in the um, in that like off tackle role. He's not going to play. He's not a nose. He, no. So so he they they called him. He's like a big. Edge. He's in that big edge group. Mm -hmm. Now he could wind up uh, as an inside guy. Remains to be seen. But I think that they think he's capable of being a, a big edge. And the distinction I I draw with Carlo because I, I went to watch Carlo. Mm -hmm. In high school, and Carlo was playing linebacker. Carlo yeah. might have been, he might have been two thirty. Uh, well, that's why I said time. immediately available, Carlo Kemp, because Carlo he had yeah, to like yeah. put some pounds on him, and 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 you're already. I think he's seventeen years old, and he's already up to two sixty or two seventy right. on the report said. So that's um. But that's what I mean. Like he's a guy who because Carlo played outside too, right? When, when Hutchinson mm -hmm. and Pay got hurt, uh, and and that it gives you that versatility, so you can just change your front whenever you want to. And like, okay, now he's going to be at three tech. Now he's going to be at six tech, right? Now he's outside the tackles. Now he's inside the the guard. You can put him anywhere, basically, but nose. And you know, Chris Jenkins was basically that this year for Michigan, right? Mm -hmm. That people think of Chris Jenkins as a as a pure tackle, but he wasn't. He was a guy playing mm -hmm. three four tackle or three four defensive end or DT in a four three where, you know, he's going against guards and you know, he'll still have to take on doubles. Um but the fact that he's really young too is exciting because that means there's a lot of growth left. And you know, Michigan likes their edges big but I could see him kind of being that that guy that you put at that Jenkins spot where you're, I don't know if he's got the explosion necessarily to you know to tackle like uh, like Jenkins, but that's where I yeah, see him. Yeah, you know, you know, I, you you got a couple of guys that that kind of could fit that big edge mold, and if it didn't work, you know, maybe they're more Chris Jenkins, right? Mm -hmm. And so Rob Pierce kind of fits that mm -hmm. that description as well. Uh, but I I think if if the comp works optimally, mm -hmm. then it would be that he would be Mike Morris, who, you know, Carlo, love Carlo. I, I think you I think we could all agree that that Mike Morris was a more impactful yeah. guy <laughs> yeah. with with the, the things that he could do with his versatility. Cause you could you could kick Mike Morris inside too. He wind up wound up not being something they did a whole lot uh as he got to the latter stages of of his career. But if if things work out according to plan with a guy like uh, Cam Brandt, then you'll see him 
exhibit that kind of I can put my hand in the dirt, but man, I can play standing up. I could even, you know, drop in the coverage in some of our zone blitz stuff uh, as well. Uh, if if things really work out, so time time will tell. But they have a couple of options in that regard. And what stands out to me is my guys out west who I trust implicitly. The their their evals and they're calling this guy another high upside guy, uh, Cam Brandt. And that that's what I call this class, Craig. You know, it's not one of those classes with the you know any of the. Although I think Jair Hill is a, a headliner, I think Jair Hill is a top fifty talent. This is a class that the analysts don't have. The do, guys who do the rankings don't have a top 50 guy. It's more guys who have the potential to be developed into that caliber of prospect. Well, this speaks to recruiting generally, in, in my opinion. I mean, you'd like to hit on a high percentage of kids as either students or better human beings. You know, those, those, those you'd, like, you, you'd like to get into your program. But you don't need to hit on all your kids. You need to, you, and so what it seems like to me, what as football players, and so it seems to me what Michigan is doing is saying, we're going to take guys that we see high ceilings for, and we're not so concerned about the floors because if we can hit on every third kid's ceiling, one of three, we're going to have a football team, and 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 so Brian, I know, and some others are depressed about Michigan football recruiting. But when I look at the tapes of these kids, and I haven't looked at all of them, I haven't looked at Brandt, but when I look at the tapes of these kids, I see some ceilings, right? I say, wait a minute, I could see this kid really, really becoming a very good football player. And and so I'm, I'm much less uh, down just because recruiting analysts say, well, these are, are are swing and miss types of guys. Well, if they can convert on one of three, they're fine. And so, and you saw it last year. I mean, not everyone thought Mason Graham was going to be, uh, you know, our guys did. Yeah. Guys but, did. but yeah, but a lot didn't. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, the big kid, uh, Kenneth Grant, I think he's going to be a good player. He wasn't a universally recognized uh, guy. And there's and there's been a lot of and there's been a, a, quite some number of these kids they've hit on and so you know I you know you 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 don't need to hit hit on them all as football players I mean you you need to hit on some and the truth is that it's the same with top fifty guys because Michigan and other teams have recruited a lot of top fifty guys who were just blowouts and so the and so you're always you're all you're always in a process of guessing. And uh, just because they're not four stars or five stars, uh, to me, isn't isn't that isn't that meaningful? I looked at Jair Hill, and I'm with you, Sam. I think he's going to be a really good player. I mean, he's not a top fifty guy. I don't even think he's a top hundred guy, but I think he's going to be a good player. I think you know, Etta is going to be a really good player from what I looked at him. I think Cole Cabana is going to be a good player or certainly has the the upside to be a terrific player and so i'm more concerned about that than well you know there's questions about uh, than the than the, the questions about these individual kids yeah and so uh i do think this though um you know you look at this past year for instance it's not it's not like michigan has had top five classes Mm-hmm. Like uh, like many of the other 
perennial playoff uh, contenders, but there, it's unmistakable the impact of of the top tier guys. Aiden Hutchinson, when you look back on it, he wound up being a, a top. He wound up being a top hundred guy. He wasn't rated a five star. But our guys, out, I think he was outside of the top hundred, Sam. Well, he he had moved up. I know yeah. into All American status, and yeah. and and he was a selection for the Army All American mm-hmm. game. Yeah, uh, and so they had moved him up, but they hadn't moved him up into that elite tier of five stars. He went to that All American game and was the best defensive lineman there. So you could kind of see that he was going to be like a dude, right? Michigan's guys, the upper tier guys, and certainly. Your your Donovan Edwards, your J.J. McCarthy's, your Will Johnson's, you sprinkle in those five star guys. So I, I think for Michigan now, looking at this class, I think it's going be, going to be important for them to really assess if this is an anomaly in this way. They didn't hit any of those, you know, those upper tier guy, any of those top fifty guys in this class. Is that an anomaly or is that a byproduct of this being an NIL era and their approach in it? Because if it is, if it's a byproduct of that, then they have some decisions to make about, uh, about approach, about how they, how they handle that and whether they think they can compete at the same level consistently absent sprinkling in a few of those, you know, those elite talents that, you know, coming in the door, because I know I remember Greg Madison, I remember Greg Madison standing on the table with one of the recruiting guys who said, I don't know if this guy, he said, man, this dude is going to be, he's going to be a standout. He's going to be an NFL guy. I mean, he was like, you don't know what you're talking about. My name is Greg Madison. Shut up. Right. That was, <laughs> that was how Greg Madison was about Aiden Hutchinson. He knew he was going to be a big time guy. So absent that, absent getting those guys that you are pretty sure are going to be those top flight guys can you compete at that level? Now, you know, that that may not, this may be an anomaly, but I'm curious what you guys think about that, uh, especially as we get into talking about Nicholas Harbor here coming up, whether you think 11 to 25, if things don't change, if that's a reasonable sort of adjustment of expectations, or do you think this is just an anomaly this year, Seth? It's, it's not an anomaly. It's, it's certainly... You know Michigan's approach in NIL. It's this class does not come together today, right? Or yesterday. This was not a February first class. That's not how you put a class together. Classes come together over time. So this class was affected by Harbaugh flirting with the NFL, and that kind of killed their momentum early on in the in the in this. You know when when these guys were really looking at like where am I going to lock down, and then you know as it went on. Anytime the conversation turned to, hey, how much are you going to pay me up front? Michigan was out. You know, this is the class where Michigan said, um, you know, we're transformational, not transactional. And I cannot tell you how badly that line played. When I, like, that was just, it, it, was, an, it was an own goal, right? And that, that's where Michigan was this cycle. Now they've learned to talk better about NIL. Now they've learned to say, we are competitive, Right. But what they haven't gotten to the point is where they get they get a player, and you, I know you want to get into Nick Harbour here, and this kind of gets into that, where a guy they've worked on for a long time, where everything else is kind of leading him to Michigan. But 
the money people around him. And these guys, these kids are not idiots with money, right? They're hiring professionals to be around them who are sent. And some of those professionals are idiots too. But the problem is the whole market's idiots. Nobody knows what they're doing with NIL. Nobody, the, the money that gets reported out there is insane, right? Nobody in this market knows what they're doing. And if you're a parent trying to navigate this in 2022, which is when this class was really coming together, then, you know, you'll have some com- some some schools come and talk to you about, hey, we're going to give you X amount of money. Other schools talk to you about, hey, we have this amount of reach. And when it gets down to it, the person who's assisting you is going to say, well, these guys are paying you. I get paid from that. Let's just go with that. They're not going to want to go with the school that's saying, well, look at all the opportunities you have with all the Michigan fans out there. So Michigan needs to figure out how to have these conversations the same way that Notre Dame is having those conversations, the same way Ohio State is having those conversations, the same way Alabama is having those conversations, and Georgia is having those conversations, which is, look, if it's it's just money, we've got money. So whatever they're offering, we'll match. If that's the problem, that's not a problem. But they haven't gotten that out there at all. What do you think? I mean, uh, Craig. You know, I wish I knew. Uh, I I think that, you know, historically, it seems like if you went back through Michigan's classes, you'd see some years you might have one or two top hundred kids. Other years you might have four or five or even six top hundred kids. My guess is you're not going to see a lot of top hundred kids with Michigan going forward. Uh, I mean, that's my surmise, unless they are legacies or people who are kids or who always wanted to go to Michigan and that was what they had their hearts set on. Uh, that's a different story. They may get some of those they, you know, still, but, uh, you know, it just seems to me if we're talking about bidding wars, uh, that's, you know, that's not what's going on here for whatever reason. And whether you think it's right or wrong or anything else, it isn't going on. It didn't go on last year and and it didn't go on this year. Now, or it hasn't happened this year, at least. And I don't know what happened with Nick Harbor or other top kids uh, Michigan is involved with. I mean, and I have to question, you know, this why Jaden Davis isn't at this point, isn't a, isn't a UM commit. I mean, so it's sort I, of mysterious. I mean, in some ways, I mean, to me, because there doesn't seem to be alternatives out there for him that. Well, he just met fit. his quarterback's coach. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that could be true. I mean, and every I don't time know he's probably how, the guy probably wanted to commit four times by now. I, I know Sam yeah. knows the family has a real answer, but like, I mean, just from the outside perspective, it looks like every single time he was about to commit, Michigan's like, oh, well, maybe Harbaugh's going to the Broncos. Oh, wait, 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 maybe we're, wait, yeah, Mike might have committed commuter crimes. Like we're, we're probably been really close a few times, but there's, there's been some bumps. Yeah. So he, the, a, a lot to unpack there. Let's just mm-hmm. start off first with with Nick Harbor. You know, there's there's no question. Um, you know, the 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 NIL era. No matter how much you hear uh, the top tier prospects say, it, it's not. It, I'm not really thinking about. Of course they are. Of course they are. Now, to to what degree? You you almost sometimes don't really know until the end. In the Nick Harbor case, he had, they had downplayed NIL. Uh, as a deciding factor throughout the recruitment. It became one until the end, and the saying goes, it's not a factor until it is, right? He brought in a marketing team uh, in December. So December, just just a couple of months ago, 
they came on the scene. Uh, it is not from uh, a marketing team from a sports agency like CAA or Athletes First. And, you know, they they actually have representatives now doing NIL for, for top prospects of like Nick's caliber. So you could go that route. That's not the route that he he went uh, in, in his representation. And they really started evaluating NIL offerings or opportunities in January. So now there's a there's a pivot and a shift, uh, you know, when it when it comes to who's kind of playing more, who is playing m- most in the eyes of the of the marketing team. There was no question. I mean, if they had their drugs to do, if it was strictly an NIL NIL deal exclusively, he'd have gone to Oregon mm-hmm. as the marketing team was. They were Oregon all the way. Right. But I sat and listened to the kid kind of like, I don't want to go to Oregon. This was back when I sat down with him for one of those interviews. He was no way, no how, no way, no how Oregon. Plus his mom didn't even take that visit out there. So for him to choose them in the end would have been totally NIL. But South Carolina, I definitely think NIL was still one of the advantages because on on balance, when you compare every other factor, Michigan, Michigan really beats them. So there's no question that at the end, it becomes a real big deal. And that that's less to me about, and I want you guys to take on it, it's less about Nick Harbor because I don't think when it comes down to getting into bidding wars for guys, you know, I don't, I don't think that you get in that space. You want to be competitive, but if you get to it, get into a situation with the kid and he's like, well, hey, this is your offer, so-and-so, just offer me oh, this. Gosh. What are you going to do? <laughs> he's like, you know what, man? No, I'm, watch, I'm not doing Watch it. what happens to Oregon's class. Watch what happens to Miami's class. Watch what happens to Michigan State's class. Watch what happens to these classes. I'm telling you, Texas A&M happened this year, right? If they lost 15 kids. Yeah, if, you're, if what you're offering is the most money, guess what everybody else is, is able to offer? Money, right? If money's the reason a kid's going to your school, you don't have that kid for very long. Right. So I'm, I'm right there with that. I, and, I, I, you know, it's not like you're going to have a blank checkbook. You got to be very selective. I'm looking at quarterbacks. I'm looking at edge guys. I'm looking at maybe corners. I'm looking at those those positions where, you know, being competitive in that space often is hugely dependent upon what's playing NIL-wise. And some of these other schools – are really coming to the table with promises over over you know prospects or or possibilities, right? Mm-hmm. Promises over projections, as I say. You know, Michigan is very much in the projection. This is what you could do if you come here and you fare like these other guys. Others are laying down promises. Now, is that against the the rules or the spirit of the rule or or the law in some case? Of course, ha. but we know how they get down, right? We know there's coordination between the schools and and these collectives in in many respects. And so I'm in the place now where they have to kind of evaluate how do you compete in that space? What what line do you push? Understanding that all these programs make choices on what lines to push. Michigan made a choice on what line to push with the the analyst coaching, right? And I, I say that as a person who doesn't care. I don't give a damn that they, it doesn't matter to me that they did. I'm not not saying that I'm saying go break a rule, but in the grand scheme of things, that's a rule that all these big time schools are breaking anyway. And wait, wait, but who, but who got nailed for it? Who's the only right. school they're going to nail for it? So this is part I, of. I, I'm sure this is part of Michigan's <laughs> thinking. Is look, 
everybody else is blatantly cheating and has been blatantly cheating for years. And the NCAA knows about it. The guys who are cheating now run the NCAA. So, so but why is Michigan me, the only one who gets nailed for you're, it? You're absolutely right, which is why I'm not saying I'm not advocating for breaking rules. Okay. Am I saying I don't care that they let Ryan Osborne coach in the grand scheme? Yes, I am. It's 75 and the 70. I, I, I could get, and, and frankly, it, for the job he did, you ask uh, Aiden Hutchinson the David Jabo the impact he had on their game. I think they could tell you that dude coaching. You know, Aiden Hutchinson is mostly because he's a really, really talented guy. But I think he'd tell you that that Oz can coach. So on balance, you know, a secondary violation, I just it doesn't move the meter for me. Why do you think this is a proposed rule change anyway? Because these schools are doing it already. That's why they're saying let's change this rule. And then you got the other schools who don't want to pay for an extra staff member saying, no, I don't want to do that. That's this the thing. They've let way too many schools into Division One, and remember, Division One. I know we're getting way off topic here, but Division One includes FB, F, uh, FCS as well as FBS. So Indiana State has just as many votes as Michigan on this. Now Michigan can kind of, and their ilk can kind of move the thing a little bit because they always have the well. We're going to go and do our own thing, and there has been movements in the past where the Power Five has been like, we're just going to leave you guys, and in the past, it's happened. The the Historical power fives have gone, look, we're just going to make Division 1A, and you can be Division 1 AA. Like, these dis- these connect, these these splits have happened in the past, and one is probably long overdue, because we have over 130 teams now in FBS, and how many of those teams, at the beginning of the season, have any legitimate chance of winning a national championship? Right. So, my, my point in bringing that up is, they decided that's a line we're going to push. And they and they actually they actually crossed it. They admitted it to the NCAA. To your point, Craig, the NCAA, that's not enough for the NCAA. They want a pound of flesh too, right? They, yeah. Oh, you lied. Uh, they they want to take a win and turn it into a loss, which is ridiculous to me. And if you're Michigan, maybe that does make you, and it should make you a bit more gun shy because if they come after you for this, imagine if you push the limits with uh, you know on the NIL, what they would do to you. So I get that. I'm not saying break rules. I'm I'm saying from a from a strategy standpoint and from an ideal standpoint, kind of shifting the position, understanding what these these other schools are doing in coordination with their collectives. Tell me, let's find how can we do this legally? How can we do this from the standpoint of of NCAA compliance, whatever that means in the NIL space? I mean, they aren't doing anything with it. Yeah, right now anyway. And how do we do that legally? Having that be a mindset. Ira said, uh, you you want the account. Make me right. Make me right, Papa Weintraub. Make me right. Well, when I say account, I was an analogy, right? The creative accountant knows how yeah. to do taxes and keep your taxes low. The creative, come up with the creative ways to do this. I don't want to break the law. Tell me how to stay within the law and do what I need is- to do. That is, Sam, it's impossible because the NCAA right now is in the middle of changing the goalposts again. They're trying to like say, oh, we don't even need the burden of proof to to, to slam you with the stuff. If Michigan State, here's, here's my argument. This is my argument. My, my rebuttal to you as we get to the break. I I think that Michigan is in a place from an ideal standpoint where I, I think the the idea of pay for play is is a non-starter. Where it's like that's. That's a bridge too far. That's not in, in keeping with intercollegiate athletics. And, and m- maybe they can be beeline on this. And what do I mean? You remember when John Beeline was like, I'm not offering a guy before June 
the June after his sophomore year. Initially, that was a big deal. It was a big problem. And prospects took it personally. And they said, well, you aren't really competing if you aren't offering a kid in this freshman year. You might as well. You're coming in too late. Right. Well, he did it his way, even though all the other coaches were like, we shouldn't be doing this. And he was the only one that followed it because that's what he believed. It took a minute for the rest of the recruiting world to adjust and say, "Okay, just because Michigan offers you late doesn't mean that, you know, they aren't recruiting you or they don't they don't like you or they're going to compete for you. Right. And so it became not a thing anymore. It became a thing. That's just how Michigan does things. Maybe it'll work out the same way for NIL. Difference is, it's about money, guys. This is about money. And let's say, hypothetically, you're recruiting a transfer. And that transfer was making 100 stacks where he was at. And he's looking at you, and he's looking at another place where he could get 200 stacks. What He's going to take, take the projection over the promise, <laughs> but he's already leaving behind. Money, I mean, I, I, I'm not even, I'm not even, that's not even a criticism. I, I, I understand that thought process, I, I don't think that's a moral judgment if the kid decides, I'm going to take the 200 stacks, right? I, <laughs> I, I get it. So how, how in that world can you better compete? And I think that's as much about mindset as it is what you said, I man, it's just legally. Maybe it's not possible legally, but I don't even think Michigan gets to the point of assessing the legality because that is not where they want to be. They don't want to be in a pay for pay for play space. They don't want to be in a space where a guy comes in making more money than guys have that have been around grinding and competing for some time. I'm saying that's just the reality. This is more pro like now. You know, you're you're gonna have maybe you're gonna have now Aiden Hutchinson stepping up in front of the a room full of players and saying, I got a $20 million signing bonus when there are guys in that room that won't make 20 million in their careers. And here he is, hasn't played a down in the NFL making all that money and their locker room is just fine. They just had one of the best seasons in recent memory, right? So it can be done, but it does require sort of a moving of where you are mentally uh, in this space. At least, at least if you are going to keep up with the Joneses in that way, maybe it's not necessary, uh, but I I, I wonder if that's a kind of an assessment that they have to make. Is this an, an anomaly? Can we still recruit at the same level? And we don't change. And, and if we don't recruit at that level, can we ki- still compete, you know, at the level that we've competed at the last couple of years? Well, you know, my thoughts on this are one, Michigan, at least right now, is uncomfortable with pay for play. At the very least, that's something that they're not comfortable with. I'm not saying Michigan will never do it or they might not do it next week. But right now, it seems to me they're uncomfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly, I think they're uncomfortable with bidding wars. I, I think, yeah, I mean, they're not going to get in, you know, and as you point out, we'll, you know, at Texas A&M, for example, when, you know, the rumor was at least that they paid players in excess of 20 million last year. Well, the players seemingly came back this year and said, well, where's my money this year or whatever it was. And they just decided they were leaving. And, and so I don't think, Michigan is going to be comfortable with either one of those things. And I also think Michigan's going to have a problem uh, with as the Harbaugh turns, because I don't think whatever Jim coach Harbaugh says in the future, that 
at this point, anyone's necessarily going to believe it to 100% certainty. Certainly, the people Michigan recruits against are going to point this out. Whether it's Penn State or Ohio State or Michigan State or whomever, they're going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, Coach <laughs> Kentucky, Vince Merrill, right. You know, that guy ain't even going to be there. And it doesn't matter what Harbaugh said because he said it last year and that that would be it. And then this year it turned out there was some sort of dalliance of some sort or another again. And so what Michigan, I think that the last two years is probably what Michigan's going to look like going forward, absent some change in pay for play in particular or bidding wars in particular. And I'm not suggesting Michigan get into that. Not at all. What I am suggesting is you can recruit uh, high ceiling guys who are not considered five stars and, and hit on enough of them to continue to have a good football team and one that competes well, and one that beats Ohio right. state. Because if you look at the football team right now, that's what they are. But, but no, but see the, you, you beat Ohio state that who were the guys who were the big difference makers in those games? It wasn't those, those, those guys that they developed over time. Like you're talking about, which is important. You got to be able to do that. Difference maker was Aiden Hutchinson. Difference maker was Will Johnson. Difference maker was, yeah. Was JJ McCarthy different? Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards. These are Blake Corum. Yeah. We beat Ohio State for right. I mean, yeah. yeah I'm, can, can you do that? Yes. Without getting those guys, I think the answer to that is yes, because some of those guys, you're always going to get some. I mean, Michigan ain't getting five star guys. I mean, they haven't. Why the hell not? Well, they're not, and well, they're we, still winning. We, we I, I guess, we got a couple. That's to, true. To, to me, like I said, you, you, the guys who weren't five stars in that mix were Blake Corum and and Aiden Hutchinson, right? They guys were, they, who we they should have been five stars, though. They who should have been five stars and guys who should have been, and you know, is a no, different no, 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 story no, but like, from listen, our. listen to me. Let me finish. Yeah, I'm sorry. Guys that you beat Ohio State for, you beat Ohio State for both of those guys. They were in the final round. Aiden was really considering Ohio State. Blake was really considering Ohio mm. State. So the the rankings uh, rankings missed on some guys too, and they missed on ranking those guys five stars. But Ohio State didn't. And so my point is. Mm. You know, you got to live in that world where you beat them for a few guys, right? Probably, I mean, that's probably true. Yeah. And, and can can you can you continue to beat them like you beat them the last few years if you don't win those battles? I, I mean, they they got to ask that question, or 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 was what we just saw an anomaly? We got to get a break in because okay. you asked about Jaden Davis, yeah, and it's an important. I think it's a very important question in recruitment because, like you, like I just said earlier. NIL isn't a factor until it is for the entirety of the process with Nick Nicholas Harbor. It wasn't a, a big deal. Then in the, in the final hour, a marketing team comes in and wields great influence on how things go in the very end. So, I mean, you got to ask yourself, is that, you know, is that going to be a, a, a something that winds up factoring in with a quarterback who, you know, is being promised the moon. I, I tend to agree with you. Jim's on the, you know, looking at the NFL, quarterback, coach getting fired. There are other factors. I talked to his dad about a timeline, and I'll play a little bit of that in, in the break uh, because I interviewed him for our, our podcast coming up, uh, and it turned into <laughs> it, it turned into from a conversation about Kirk Campbell and about his timeline to his he takes a flamethrower to another uh, media outlet. So because it 
be- because it turned into that, you know, I kind of, I kind of had to cut the interview short from, <laughs> I talked to him for about 30 minutes on the U7 of it because it was all about how much he hates this other, this other outlet. Once he said, so I cut out the part where he named names and all of that. Uh, but he talks a little bit about timeline. I'll play that in the break because he swears in it. So I, I can't play it on the air, but you'll be able to hear it on the, thank you, Sam. on the, on the podcast. I'll play a little bit of it in the break. We'll come back on the other side, wrap things up here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050, WTKA, the ticket. So, yeah, I was um, asking about Kirk Campbell, and then I asked him about his uh, about Jaden's timeline, because that's what inquiring minds want to know. Why hasn't he committed? And I agree with Seth. I mean, there's so much uncertainty. He was on the verge a number of times uh, of committing. I think in the end, I, I think it was a matter of kind of assessing some of the of the NIL possibilities, but that changes immediately when Jim Harbaugh is looking at the NFL. Uh, and then it changes again when the quarterback coach with whom uh, strangely <laughs> became a real asset in the recruitment, uh, you know, that changed quick, fast, and in a hurry, guys, because he, um, y- y- you know, he took some coaching. He took some instruction from uh, from them when they told him he was when the dad told him he was a terrible recruiter, he didn't take that personally and kind of took some coaching on that. Uh, but I talked to his dad about timeline, so he got a little little bit into it here. Yeah, he is. Uh, yeah, I I did look at me. Start when he started talking. He started naming that. I said, okay, let let me let me not include that. But yeah, he. he Feeling a certain kind of way about some of the coverage that that Jaden is uh, getting, to be sure. Uh, but yeah, a lot of change. You know, I think Seth nailed it when he said, you know, the quarterback coach he just met, he just talked to him for the first time on Friday. Yeah, that's legit, absolutely legit. You know, they just had a, a conversation with with Jim Harbaugh a couple of weeks ago, where he said, "I'm here to stay," and then of course you had the, the very next week you had uh, not that Jim was entertaining it per se but you had denver still putting out there that they're still chasing them so you know you kind of get how how there's a pause but the broader question whether it's the quarterback or or other top prospects you select prospects you know it it, do you need to be thinking about back on air in one minute guys how you can compete in that space um if if the nil dynamics are going to be what they are right now But the truth is, if you're not going to get into bidding wars, if you're not going to get into pay for play, you're not going to compete in that space. Well, listen, I mean, 2023 and 2022 and 2024 and 2020 are all different animals as far as NIL. This this popped really quickly. And from every perspective, the schools had to figure out how they're going to approach this. The I I know I don't want to take too long here, but like the the parents had to figure out how to approach this, the kids had to figure out how to approach this, and nobody knew. So it's gonna find its level. Um, yeah, we were not able to actually play that interview in in the break because of you know just the way things work with Streamyard. We will feature it on the next edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider Podcast. We're recording today. It'll post tonight. Uh, where you get a lot of depth about what they think about Kirk Campbell, uh, the endorsement that Kirk Campbell got from uh, the McCarthy family. Uh, you get their position on on uh, timeline. 
you know, where they are at this moment. And then you, you also get, <laughs> you also get some of uh, uh, his displeasure uh, with some of the coverage, but I, I made sure to keep that, keep uh, 20 minutes of that out of the podcast. <laughs> Something like 30 seconds of it. So, <laughs> um, so there's that, but anyway, uh, it, let's, let's shift gears guys uh, real quick and talk a little basketball as we get uh, out of here. I said it was do or die time and during our last podcast for the basketball program, none of us expected them to beat Purdue. They went out and played a good game against Purdue shorthanded. Felt like if they could apply that to other teams, uh, to the other games that, you know, they would have a chance to pull some upsets there, but they certainly had to win their most winnable road game left and they go and get blown out. So I, I wonder what you made of that effort against Penn state and what that means for them uh, now, as we look at the rest of the season, well, it, it's hard to know. I, I thought we had actually a chance against Purdue. Michigan had match matches up well, as I said last week, and I thought we had a reasonable chance to win that game. You know, without Jet, it seemed less likely. But I, they, Michigan played a pretty good game, and that was a game they indeed had some opportunities to win. Um, the Penn State game, Jet comes out, makes us hits his first seven shots. It's uh, I think a thirty-one to thirty game, and uh, Penn State can shoot the ball. I mean, they can shoot the ball, and even though they're small, they play pretty good defense. And um, and then they just hit five straight threes, a couple of bricks that go in, one ridiculous shot that goes in, but they're all going in, and and they hit. At one point, uh, 13 for 22, I think, was the number from from three. Well, that's going to happen sometimes. If your defense is good or if your defense is bad, it, it doesn't matter. And they go on an 18 to zero run game over. Um, I'm not, you know, making threes from what I gather is tends to have some element of the random. And but keeping teams from shooting threes doesn't and Michigan is just not a good defensive team. No, that's, that's just what it, what it comes down to. And, uh, there, uh, there aren't, I mean, they're just, they're just not a good defensive team. And so we're going to see more of this. And tonight we play a, a really good defensive team in, in Northwestern. I and, don't know if they're uh, that good of a defensive team. They can defend inside the perimeter. But Northwestern yeah. does not defend so, the perimeter at all. You know, I, here's mm-hmm. – uh, we've been talking about defense from the beginning of the season. We've been talking about defense yeah. since the Eastern Michigan game, right, where yeah. there are breakdowns in the backcourt, there are breakdowns in transition, there are breakdowns in every aspect of the defensive end of the floor for them. And I understand that there are limitations with this team. They aren't going to get quicker overnight. They aren't going to get more size in the backcourt overnight right they aren't going to get more depth on this team overnight uh, but there there are certain things or there have to be some things on this team they can do better they can stop the ball and transition better than than they do right uh, they can they cannot lose their their men they playing more zone because they have problems staying in front of people yeah uh, they cannot lose shooters especially in zone right there there are things that they as a team from Player execution uh, to to coaching got to figure out a way to just improve what you can improve. 
And that's kind of what I was talking to um, to Phil about yesterday. He's like, hey, man, what? I, I know what it is. I know you guys are limited. I know there are some buttons that you just can't, some things you just got to deal with, right? But what are the things you can get better at right here, right now? We saw you compete one way against Purdue and saw you compete a totally different way to which they all took the blame for, from players to Juwan to Phil. They all took the blame for how they played in that game. So how can you improve that down the stretch? Because you can't. Losing the game is one thing. Losing the way they just lost to Penn State is a totally different thing to me. I don't know about you, Seth. Man, like, I mean, threes are going to go down. Sometimes you're just going to have a game where, you know, that's what Penn State is, right? The, The first preview I wrote about them was like, oh, this team shoots a lot of threes, and when they go down, because the other thing they do is they back you down with their point guard, and Michigan had a pretty decent response to that. It's just, Michigan's not a good basketball team, even though they've got some talent on this team. They they don't have, you know, the, the, the fourth guy, the fifth guy, the sixth guy, the seventh guy. They're kind of bringing some guys along, but, you know, they, they don't have those other scoring options. So, I mean, Bufkin's had a good season, and Dickinson, you know, he's – he hasn't taken that next step, right? He he didn't. He hasn't. He's plateaued and kind of been just way less efficient. And you know when Dickinson gets doubled, the the, pla- the pass the play was to pay him to pass out. Well, he passes the ball out. If it goes to Jet, Michigan gets a good shot off. He passes the ball out to Kobe, fifty percent chance Michigan gets a good shot off, or he you know finds a lane. If they pass it to Doug, well he can't shoot over people. So he dribbles it around a little bit on the perimeter and then you got to reset. If it goes out to Terrence, you know, he may take a while to get his shot off. He might get a good one. That might some nights those go down. If it, you know, if you've got your double bigs on the court, it's just your the, the options fall off the table. So like I can't get that mad about their their defense against Penn State had things lacking. But also, Penn State was hitting their shots. And that's what turned that game into a laugher. You know, the, the Maryland one was more upsetting just because it was more about defensive effort. And it was more about allowing rebounds. And that's where this team has just... They lose focus at times. If they don't have a good reason to be going... And so this is now... They're going to Northwestern. It's another team they beat at home. Right? They beat uh, Maryland at home pretty handily. They beat Penn State at home. Yeah. They beat Penn State at home. That was, you know, not a particularly close game. And they beat Northwestern at home. Um, And then they go to play these teams a second time. Minnesota, their second game against Minnesota was a clunker, right? They killed them on the road. And then they play them at home, and and it's a close game. So... I, I can't help but wonder if, like, if you give this team just a little bit of room to take to, to relax, that they'll take it. And that Purdue game, like, their hair was on fire. That's an opportunity to win a big one. And I think that's where Juwan, when he says, that's on me, mm-hmm. they weren't prepared. I think that's what he's talking about. Uh, and a coach should take that on the chin uh, because it didn't carry over. Mm-hmm. That play with your hair on fire and a sense of urgency. Uh, Phil said it yesterday. We we were kind of slogging through, and a position, a team in the position that Michigan is in, can ill afford to do that. So, hopefully, we see something different tonight. We are out of time. Feel better, Brian. Uh, we'll see you next week. We'll drop the podcast. That's on our YouTube page, on the Michigan Insider YouTube page. We'll drop that later on today. We'll be talking NIL strategy, class wrap up, Nicholas Harbor post mortem. The interview with uh, Jaden Davis's dad on timeline and 
and Kirk Campbell as well. So be sure to check that out. That'll do it for us. We'll see you tomorrow here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050, WTK, the ticket, the official voice of University of Michigan Sports, Ann Arbor Accumulus Station.